beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Chronicles Abroad podcast show. I'm Nubia. And I'm Francis. And we're excited to have you on our first episode today. What? (laughs) So today's show is all about us. So we're going to kick this episode off with a two-part series, part one and part two, where we, meaning myself and Francis, discuss about our lives abroad and how we got here and how Chronicles Abroad has come to life. Yeah, so I'm going to have a little conversation with Nubia and just see what her experiences has been like, where she currently is, and what's going on in her life. And so let's get to it. So Nubia, see, our experiences are are quite different. And of course, we'll get to that. You've traveled pretty extensively throughout your life. Can you walk us through how your first travels started? Because a lot of people, they think about traveling or they think it's like way too expensive to travel. They travel within like domestically, but really don't think about international and they get a little intimidated by the whole international aspect. So tell us more about how your first, like how were you bitten by the travel bug? Oh man. So I guess I would say I was one of those people, right? Like I traveled, but well, I thought I traveled. I traveled to Miami, New York, not LA. I haven't been to LA yet, but to California, those kind of places within the States. And I didn't go on my first international adventure until 2012 when my uncle was getting married in Europe. And I called up a friend of mine and was like, hey, you want to go with me over to Europe? And she was like, yeah, let's do this. But also it's about the company you keep. It's all about being open. It's all about, I don't want to say it's all about finances, but at some point, there's a point in your life when you think that I don't have the money to travel, but that's not necessarily true because nine times out of 10, the places that you travel to are a lot cheaper than the US. So all you really need is that flight. And I booked a flight and I always knew that Boston was not home, like in the sense of I knew I just needed to get up out of there as it was just too small. And I would travel per se, enjoy travel. And she said yes. And we booked tickets and we went on a 14 day European vacation, my first time abroad. After that, you couldn't stop me. I just, I was traveling almost every year <laughs> from that point on. So how does, cause you have two kids. How old are your kids? Currently 21 and 18. So as a single mom, how were you able to travel as often as you did? Well, at the time that I was traveling a lot, my kids were older. And so it wasn't as difficult because to take a quick vacation here or there, they would be with a grandparent or they would be at friend's house or whatever. And you just took advantage of any opportunity I had where the kids were all set, I took. So you're jet setting, you're traveling. So when did you realize that you wanted more? Because some people just like to travel. And then some people are like, I really want to live abroad. How did you make that trip? 
to be honest with you, I always wanted more. I have an insatiable attitude about things in the first place. So once I was able to travel, I was like, oh, this is great. I want to travel more. And then once I traveled more, I was like, something's not right. I want to travel differently. I want to do it a different way. So I think it was 2016, I set on a journey to do 12 journeys in 12 months. And I ended up doing 16. And I was burnt out. I was very much burnt out. So I was like, you know, I want to travel differently. I want to stay somewhere for you know a little while, like three months, four months at a time and really get to see a place. Maybe just go to that country and travel up and down that country. I didn't necessarily think at the time that I wanted to move abroad. I was just like, I definitely want to be gone abroad <laughs> for a little bit of time. And as time went on, you know, just the universe spoke to me in different ways where I was just like, I'm over this U.S. culture, this U.S. mentality. And I was ready to blow that joint. And then with, I don't want to get into political, but now that, you know, number 45 is in office, it was a great time for me to get away. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think for me, I just felt like the walls were closing in on me. And I think me and you are very similar in the sense that we like to immerse ourselves in a local culture and not just kind of like whiz in and out. You know, there are all types of travels. And I think you and I like to really settle in and see what this new country has to offer. To be honest with you, it started with your behind. So it really did. Because if you recall, when we had met in D.C., we weren't really in the same circle, but we knew a lot of the same people. But then we became friends on social media. And I would see you on like Facebook. So one time, I think you came up on my feed and it was like you lived in Thailand. I was like, what? You know? <laughs> and I was like, when did she move to Thailand? It just like happened, right? Yeah. And to be honest, and I really just kind of, and we'll get into my story, but I kind of just- Stealth mode. Without much noise. I just kind of- You did. Moved. You sure <laughs> did. And it was like, I finally knew somebody, right? Who was- about my age, who was a person of color, who was a single mother. Like you met all the criteria, check, 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 check. That was like, yo, this is you. Like talk to her. So I went online and I hit you up on Messenger and I'm like, hey, you know, I see you moved abroad. What are you doing over there? And that's when we started communicating. And you told me that you were teaching and that you had, I think, took a course over in Thailand to get your TEFL certification to teaching English as a foreign language. And that's how it all started. So I was intrigued by your story and it ignited, yeah, it ignited the fire under my ass to create my own journey. I remember those conversations. You had a lot of questions. I still do. All right. So you're living in Chiang Mai. Thailand originally wasn't like the pit stop. You were thinking of moving to Vietnam. Is that correct? Yeah. Now, Thailand was only a pit stop. Thailand wasn't home. Thailand was supposed to only be like, you know, let me go to Thailand and check out PP Island and Krabi and Phuket and all that. All the places I still haven't been. Really? No, I have not had the desire to have to go southbound. I mean, I've gone south of Thailand, but I came to Chiang Mai specifically for the Yi Ping Festival, which is the Lantern Festival. And there was a significance behind that, that I wanted to release all of this energy that I had with me in the States that I felt like was somewhat either negative or I needed to shed. And I wanted to do that by releasing my lanterns into the sky with like these affirmations and things like that. So I had my eye on the prize for that. And that's what brought me to Chiang Mai. Wow. So you get to Chiang Mai and now six months later, you're still there. 
<laughs> yeah. So what was the culture shock? You're coming from the States. Now you're in Thailand. What has that been like for you? Tell us more about the culture shock. Honestly, Chiang Mai is an easy city to transition to. So it's like the second or third largest major city in Thailand. However, when you come here, there is a huge community of nomads and digital nomads. So you get here and you're just like, okay, I didn't know. I mean, they got like three and four malls, big old cinemas, you know, just stuff that you have back home. So there's a lot here that makes you feel comfortable. The people don't bother you. Literally, they don't bother you. They might look your way. They might give you a smile, but they don't necessarily bother you at all. It's a very, the weather's great. It's just, there was no culture shock for me coming here. I fell in love. Like I, I literally fell in love with the city and I had not felt that in a long time. Like I felt it, I fell in love with places that I've seen. Cause I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. Right. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. But I can never live here. Or, oh, this is beautiful. Okay, enough already. It's time to go. <laughs> but I fell in love. So you see, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious travel in you. Whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. So head over to chroniclesabroad.com and subscribe today. Yeah, our experience uh, totally different. I had lots of culture shock, but we'll get into that later. Because you are lucky enough to find community of color and just a community of folks that you connected with pretty easily. Yeah, and they speak English. So, you know, it's, that, helps. <laughs> that helps a lot. Because I couldn't imagine being in a place that I wake up every single day and I cannot speak the language at all. I think that will really put me in a bad space. And Chiang Mai is not it. A lot of people speak English, but a lot of people don't. I am interested in learning Thai, so I try my best and they try their best. And it's just a good mix. I think the only culture shock I've had since I've been in Asia in general <laughs> are those squat pot toilets. Like literally you keep a talking hole in the ground, girl. That is, those are the thing that I can't get enough of those things. Whenever I walk into a bathroom in Asia, and if it's a squat toilet, I'm like... Oh, I got to take a deep breath. I got to get mentally prepared for it. I'm just like, because the floor is always <laughs> wet and it's just nasty, yeah. you know, it's nasty. Yeah. It's an adjustment for sure. It's not one that I can actually adjust to. So for me, that's my thing. <laughs> okay. So what do you do for work? How do you make your money abroad? I currently work online um, teaching English. So that is my primary source of income at the moment. I came over here with the notion to retire and to live off of the savings that I had and those kind of things. And I know you didn't ask me, but I'm going to just segue into this. Visa runs kind of depleted my funds a lot faster than I needed. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know what they entitled or detailed as much until I got into it. So being in Thailand, you could be here for the first 60 days on a visa, right? And then once those 60 days are up, you can go to immigration and extend for an additional 30. Now, apparently you can only do this twice. And I'm learning this as I'm going along. But when I got here, I only had the 60-day visa and I did not extend. I decided to go to Malaysia and check out Malaysia because I was just like, you know what? If I'm going to go on a visa run, I'm just going to go ahead and go to another country, check it out, blah, blah, blah. So yes, it's really inexpensive to travel a lot of places. 
However, when you don't have income coming in, but you only have a set amount of income, you don't really realize how much income is going out. You get what I mean when you have nothing coming in. So with the flights, the Airbnbs, the transportation within the other cities, food, all of that started adding up. And I was just like, okay, Nubia, you need to find a job. Like, seriously. So teaching English was a great way to earn income. And it's also online. So I'm still considered location independent. That's great because people really don't realize those visa runs will kill your pockets. I was fortunate enough to get a work permit. So I only had to do one visa run and then the work permit was good. And so it really, it does truly matter. So when you are thinking of relocating to a different country, really have to look in depth into what the requirements are for the visa. For sure. And I knew what the requirements were. I just didn't think so far ahead. I was just like, oh, that's a great opportunity. Because since I've been here in six months, I've been to five other countries in six months. So I've done a lot, but it's just, even right now, I'm looking at the date, like what date is it? Okay, I gotta be gone in five days or I need to try to extend because my visa's up on the 20th. You get what I mean? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that you just gotta keep track of for sure. Correct, because you don't wanna overstay because they will charge you. That is true. And don't mess with Thailand's money, okay? (laughs) Don't mess with any of these Asian countries' money. (laughs) So tell me about... I'm going to get a little uh, into some more personal. Of course you are. If you don't mind. <laughs> that's just who you are. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. So what's dating like? Have you thought about it? I mean, you're a black woman in Southeast Asia. <laughs> I am. <laughs> what has dating been like for oh, you? Oh, man. It's funny because whenever you have conversations with other expats and we ask each other that question, the whole room just looks at each other with this look like, girl, please. (laughs) You just want to be like, (laughs) they do. Actually, it's true because I actually, I'm part of, when you go abroad, you become part of a lot of Facebook groups. And I'm part of a group called Blacks in Japan. And one girl was like, I might as well ship and pack my uterus (laughs) and send it back to the state. The struggle is real. And I don't think it has anything to do with us. But the culturally here, they do not see black skin as, quote unquote, beautiful, not to be with. You get what I mean? The Thai culture, they'll date the European, the other foreigners. But when you're of color, a person of color, it's very difficult to date a local. So that's out of the question. Dating other nomads is, it happens, but I think it happens more on hookups because we're each kind of in our own direction. So somebody comes in, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm living here for the next two, three, four months, but they already have an agenda to bounce and they're out of here in a couple of months. So you're not really developing a relationship, right? You're just kind of talking to them, getting to know them. You may continue to talk to them along their travels and whatever happens, happens after that. But for the most part, trying to develop a physical relationship here has been very difficult and dating is somewhat non-existent. And do I think about it? Freaking daily, I think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, the feeling is quite mutual. So yeah, I totally get it. Well, for you, I would... Often from a lot of people. For sure, because Japan... We're not talking about me right now. But still, but still, I mean... (laughs) I'm just kidding. You know, in Japan, they're not having any kids right now. They're in a crisis in Japan. So I can't even imagine. There is a low birth rate in Japan. So yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, I'm like, those millennials ain't even messing with each other at all. So I can't even imagine. And plus, anyway, I'm at a whole different 
I'm 40 now. So some of these expats that come through, they be in there. They be so cute, but they're 20 something. <laughs> and I'm like, my child is 20 something. Like, I just got to pull it together. Can't, can't, can't mess with that. <laughs> can't cross nope. the line for sure. I don't even look for too long because I feel dirty after You're that. so ridiculous. <laughs> so let me ask you, because I know you're heading back to the States in July at some point. June. June. That's yeah. right. And so what is the first thing that you're going to eat when you head back to the States? West Indian food. I'm if y'all can see me right now, I'm, you ain't lying, girl. I'm doing my flex, like, you know, dance right now in my seat because I can't wait to have some <laughs> Caribbean food. No lie. I'm going to eat it all. And I've been on this, like, try to not eat so much meat kick right now just to try to get my body into a better place. Like, when you move abroad, you eat differently. So it's really good for you. The health benefits of living abroad is really good depending on where you move, right? Because you move to like Latin America and your ass is eating nothing but rice and beans and fried food. <laughs> so, but in Asia specifically, like dairy isn't huge. So you're, I'm not eating a lot of cheese. I'm not eating a lot of butter. And if you was eating cheese and butter, you must have a good bank account because that stuff is expensive. It really is. That's like a Western thing. Oh, it's so expensive. So I cut a lot of dairy out. They eat a ton of pork, but what they don't eat a lot of is beef because they don't have a lot of cows. They don't have cows. So I've already cut pretty much a lot of beef out of my diet, dairy out of my diet. I'm eating a lot more fruits and vegetables because they have some of the best super fruits in the world here. And and I'm so jealous because fruits and vegetables in Japan are super expensive. Yeah. I don't even know oh what the gosh. agricultural makeup is in Japan. Like, what is their agricultural, what do they grow? Eggplant? I know they have Japanese eggplants. Yeah, they have eggplants. They have pretty much almost, not I want to say everything, but a lot of similar things. So right now it's strawberry season. So they have a bunch of strawberries out, cantaloupe. So why is grapes, it so expensive that they uh, grow they have some jack. I don't know. I don't know what the details are, but like, if I want to get, let's say, a bag of oranges, it's going to cost me oh, $10 USD. Yeah, yeah. And because the portion sizes are a lot smaller. So if I wanted to get, let's say, they sell everything in like halves too. So a half a cantaloupe will cost me about $7. And I'm just like, oh my God, I miss fruit. What I can't afford really is like bananas. <laughs> you can, those are plentiful and cheap. But everything else is like a treat for me. That doesn't even sound fun at all. Because I just bought like a half. I know. I don't, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you know what she does to me, guys? She'd be like, mm. you know, she'd be showing me things. And then she's like, look what I got. I got these sweet <laughs> little oranges and clementines. I'm just like, you showed me that the other day. And Girl, I was like, oh, really? That's what I'm about to tell you about. Really? So this little half a kilo bag of clementines, it's probably like 20 clementines in the bag. Cost me 62 cents US dollars. That's insane. Not here. You get what I'm saying? So I, I always buy my fruit, and fruit is so plentiful and so inexpensive. So you eat a lot of fruit, you eat a lot of vegetables. There's a ton of chicken. Nah, I would say there's more pork than there is chicken. But however, you can still get chicken, fish, and pork here. So anyway, back to what I was saying you eat well. And when I get home, I'm going to eat probably all the beef that I haven't got. <laughs> All right. So what kind of mindset do you think someone needs to have to either travel or actually make that decision to live abroad? I think the mindset honestly has to be yours and no one else's because there's a lot of times when you sit back and you start thinking about, well, my parents are getting older, well, the kids, well, I'm dating this person and what if they don't want to move abroad? Like 
you got to stop worrying about the outside people and worry about yourself and what that means for you and what that looks like for you. And then you can start to expand it, right? So yes, I had to think about me. And I know you like this when I say this, Francis, but I have gotten backlash people like, oh, you were selfish to move abroad and you still got children in the States. And I'm like, but I'm always going to have children. I mean, when was it going to be ever okay? You get what I mean? At some point- Yeah, no, I totally get at it. At some point, my kids will have kids. And then then what? I'm selfish for leaving because I'm leaving my grandkids? Like, it never stops. You get what I mean? Like, my parents are going to continue to get old. I'm going to continue to get older. My kids continue to get older. And life moves on. They're okay. I didn't leave and just be like deuces and that was it. I had conversations. I told people what I wanted to do. I even offered for my kids to come. They chose not to want to come to Asia. I think my daughter was like, well, if you move to London, I'm like, but you don't have London money. (laughs) You know what I mean? So (laughs) typical 21 year old, right? So I'm just like, I had to worry about what was best for me because my mental health was on the line. I was not happy. I felt like I was in a depression. I was exhausted mentally, physically, financially, emotionally. I mean, I was going through it for my own. And on the outside, you would have never had known because I stay with a smile on my face and I keep it pushing. But at the end of the day, I was not fulfilled. I knew for me, I needed to do something different. Whatever that looked like, I needed to do it. And yes, I was in a relationship. No, I'm no longer in a relationship now. Yes, my kids are in the States and I'm overseas. So many things had changed, but I needed to make that change for me and nobody else. Listen, I'm with you on that one. And we talk a little bit about this and I talk a little bit about, you know, my mental health and what happened for me and to make that decision as well. So let me ask you finally, what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about doing what you did and what you're doing? I think the advice is what I just said. Think about what is best for you. You have to put yourself first. I was watching Oprah's, what is it called? Come on, help me out. We were just talking about Oprah's uh, podcast. Super Soul Sunday. Sunday. Yes, I was watching a clip of that and I always tear her name up. Ayanla Van Zandt. Ayanla. Ayanla. Ayanla Van Zandt had said something about you need to be selfless or selfful. You know, you're not selfish, you're selfful. You have to feel your own self, right? And in order to do that, it might look like it's selfish to others, but you have to fill yourself, you know what I mean? With the things that you need. And that's what I needed to do for me. I'm much happier because of it. I love it. I love it. And I 100% agree. I believe that you take care of yourself first. It's like the same metaphor. If you're on a plane, you put on your oxygen mask first. And then you help the next person sitting next to you. Exactly. That's how that works. Exactly. I'm with 100%. Yeah. So that was a good metaphor. Thank you so much for that, because that made my point a little bit easier to to say. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. Well, I love your story. And yeah, we're done. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening.
Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.